Tom and Daniel here uh, again for a quick second. Um, we don't mean to brag <laughs> or anything, but the after show <laughs> yeah. today was just really, really fun and amazing and, and a great conversation. Um, I think you should you should try and get on the after show. You guys, you guys should get that. Okay. Okay. Actually, maybe we do mean to brag a little bit, but um, how much how much do you know about heaven? Oh. Man, Tom introduces an interesting question that really stirs the pot. I mean, it just really gets you to thinking and trying to reconcile some things together. Yes. And uh, and so, yes, yeah, we encourage you to. Yeah, and, and if you don't know how to get the after show, that is for patrons of this podcast. Those are our supporters. You can become one of those at patreon.com slash reason together. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash reason together and select the elite membership tier that is the only tier that gets the after show by the way if you're already a patron you can bump up to that tier uh as well if you want to upgrade and maybe if you do you'll experience a little heaven on earth you know what i'm saying man okay was that like a terrible ending too far oh sorry okay maybe not Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas, here again with Daniel. Hello, hello. What's going on? Oh, it's been, um, it's been, it's kind of exciting in a way. Uh, you know, the newest project here recently, obviously, with the whole virus thing, a lot of people were thrown into the live stream, which sort of mm-hmm. like raised that to the top of the priority list <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in some ways. And so that's been a project here over the last few weeks. And uh, I'm excited that we got the Cat Six cable run and bought the bought a you know a, just a basic setup uh, that was recommended to us and got things up and running and I used that software that you mentioned that you uh, had told me about Ecam and I yeah E-cam and I had one? seen that on on uh, other videos as well and boy that just really worked um, like a charm I mean it just really wasn't hardly any work at all yeah and and then uh, so I was talking with Pastor today about you know kind of what another thing that he wants to do kind of another capability and so sort of just just pushing it along as far as effective use of technology is mm-hmm. exciting to me and yeah. um so that's neat yeah but how about how about you uh kind of the same thing actually we've been uh, doing the live <laughs> streaming from home uh for yes. a while and we're getting ready probably not this sunday but the next sunday we're getting ready to reopen for services really uh, at church and of course we we have to have some uh, precautions in place um sure but uh but we should be reopening probably the last sunday of the month <clears throat> so what we've got to do is figure out live streaming from there which is yeah. a, a few more <laughs> yeah, logistical a... <laughs> difficulties than live streaming from here so working on getting that thought through and uh, we've also been remodeling this place at the same time. Yes, that's right. So we've got the one, we're doing two rooms, the living room and the dining room. And mm-hmm. the living room is done. Wow. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, completely finished. And uh, taking a few days break from that to fill a couple customer orders from my online store. And then we're going right into the next room. Yes. So, so had you just done one room or did you like gut two rooms and you're just kind of living with a like a really undone room. Um, we just gutted the one room and finished it off. We haven't even yes. started okay. the other room. So okay, we, good, we have good. to have that room as kind of a staging area because the rooms are kind of <laughs> adjacent see. to each other. <clears throat> right. So, 
Well, neat, neat. Well, that's that's really saying something with, and especially with, I would say, a craftsman like you. When when you say a room is done, you know, if if you've ever done a remodel, you know that just like getting the paint done is not done. There there's trim and there's the details mm-hmm. and there's getting everything cleaned up and put back in and yeah. all the little things sometimes that can be seven years before you're actually done yeah <laughs> you know to actually finish it is nice yeah just a thing like uh puttying the nail holes in the trim and then yeah. oh yeah caulking the trim to the wall which is a step a lot of people don't do but mm-hmm. I, I just think it looks a lot better when you caulk all the trim to the wall because uh because of filling in the gaps is that what you're talking about yeah like even on if the top of the trim even if there are no gaps you can still kind of tell it's a separate piece but when everything is caulked it looks at it, it flattens it all out like one wall one thing interesting <clears throat> yeah yes so now in my house it's an old house and so the walls kind of bow so uh-huh. like you put the, i, I want to put the original trim back on <laughs> and, yeah. and i'm sure steps can be taken i know to level out studs and things yep. like that but i mean yep. sometimes there's some pretty bad bows and you can't you know bend like a two by ten piece of oak you know to the wall yeah yeah well <laughs> you can which really is a little tricky but oh my um, i actually had to oh, do I guess it if for you... one of the walls here you mean like if you plane it on either end and kind of bevel the actual piece of wood? No, to, like to, get, uh, to sink in. Like I was running a piece of baseboard here, and there was a, a curve uh, that I didn't really want the wood tense over it. I wanted the wood relaxed yes. over it. Yeah. So you can make relief oh, cuts on the yes, back, curve okay. cuts, a bunch of them. Nice. And then the wood becomes really flexible. Right. But from the front, <laughs> it looks like a normal piece of wood. So. <laughs> nice. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I had to say on, on the sad note today, I, uh, I, I, uh, for a moment I wept this, uh, this morning, uh, when I received some news by email and you'll know this name. And I think our listeners and by and large may know the name, but Ravi Zacharias uh, has gone to be with the Lord. And that just was, you know, as I thought about, I guess him meeting the Lord, but, um, at the same time feeling the loss, Mm -hmm. you know, that we have here. I wasn't, uh, you know, like this huge follower in a sense of like reading every book and listening to every speech, but just the little that I had listened to, my heart had been touched by him specifically, you know, um, because of his, he seemed to have a conservative biblical stance on things, and yet his manner was just really neat, mm-hmm. uh, was was amazing in, in, in approaching people and... Um, and we, we'd call it his disposition, but even better, maybe his manner yeah. and how he would handle people. And I thought, I suppose if you look on YouTube, you know, you see a, uh, different people like Ben Shapiro shreds leftist, you know, and stuff like that. And he's, you know, really good at his positions. But I don't know if you could find an accurate video that says uh, Ravi Zacharias shreds opponent because mm-hmm. that wasn't his point. Right. You know what I mean? Right. He didn't go into it to shred people. Um, he... Anyway, his manner was just really something admirable and I think an example. And so I just felt like even amongst apologists, he really was in a class that ought to be imitated, mm-hmm. you know, and just, and, and obviously, you know, I'm sure he was a brilliant man and a man to be admired for just how his how he studied in his pursuit of, you know, answers and things. But anyway, yeah. not everybody may, uh, you know... Obviously, certain ways people communicate, click with some people and not with others, and he was probably somewhat philosophical at yes. times, you know what I mean? But he yes. was a very smart man. But I, but what I guess really impressed me about him was not so much, ooh, he's got the answer to everything, but it's, because uh, uh, nobody does, but right. um, 
but his manner, I think, was re- really stuck out to me. And sure, coming he was across... very polite. <clears throat> yes, yes. Very polite. And I don't think that if, if I was someone who was posing a, a, a gotcha question at him, like, like many of his questioners often did, um, I, I don't think I could be mad at him afterwards. <laughs> you know, could... he, he just had a, a, a sweet manner to him Yeah. Uh, when he yeah. answered people, even when he was disagreeing. Uh, yeah. Was... Which, yeah, so... So it's a, you know, just like, just like others, there's times in life when somebody that you admire and you respect, you know, goes on, there's in, in the Christian realm, uh, we're, we're pleased and we have the comfort that, uh, that he is with the savior that he proclaimed. And yet at the same time, you sense the loss. Right. He was able to get into a lot of, uh, places, uh, that I don't think a lot of people can get into. Right. Um, just the the places where he would, uh, have these, uh, Q and A things and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah he's been been a lot of different places yes yeah. yeah so uh what do we've got for uh today as we uh move forward in maybe a little bit in the realm of in the uh in this stream the vein of what he was doing is trying to get people to reason together and yeah. our approach is to i was just talking i sat down uh uh, to to lunch with somebody somebody was kind enough to buy my lunch yesterday and and just sit down and talk and um and and it brought me back to that point i told him that you know in college i i i had friends and i that i respected because they were thinkers you know and then i thought about you and you were kind of a post college uh entrance into my life you know what i mean and yet this mm-hmm. friendship has just uh been uh phenomenal and um and just having a friend that thinks and you can really talk through things and and you know and anyway it's just neat i've said it said it so many times before but uh, if you're new to the podcast, uh, welcome to a conversation about whatever, you know, a, a several things and uh, and just kind of thinking through them, not always having uh, every answer, not coming up with the answer, not knowing exactly what to say, sometimes being a little vulnerable and, uh, and certainly transparent, but uh, just trying to reason through uh, the topics of life and yeah. how they connect to Scripture. Yeah, and this, uh, this entire thing is, uh, of course, brought to you by the generous... Generous support yes. of our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. That's patreon.com slash reason together. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, you can go over there to patreon.com slash reason together and select one of the membership tiers. And uh, depending on which level you select, there's some perks that come along with that, some added benefits. Uh, but thank you to all of our, our patrons for making this possible. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. One quick question, and then we can dive into whatever you have, Tom. But the thought crossed my mind is, do you ever feel like, um, do you ever do you ever struggle with the thought that people probably see me as older than I feel? People see you as older than you feel. In other words, you feel yeah. young. You feel like, <laughs> like, I, like I'm 25, and yet you realize, wait a yeah. minute, people are seeing me as like the next generation you know, or like the yes. way I saw people in their 40s when I was 18. Yes. Like, oh, wow. He's, and then you realize, well, that's me, but I don't feel like that. Yes, I you... have had that thought before. <laughs> in <laughs> fact, yeah. just yesterday, I got a thing in the mail for the camp that we send our son to, uh, mm-hmm. our older son every every summer. And their guest speaker for the camp this year, for the whole week, is a pastor who I was his assistant Sunday school teacher when he was in fifth grade. <laughs> um for for the better part of a year and and I remember when he was a little kid 
And now this guy is the keynote speaker for the week of camp that my son is going to. <laughs> and you were his teacher when he was in fifth grade. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel a little old. Yeah, I didn't realize how old week. you were, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you're not helping. Not yeah, oh, okay. But I guess my question to our listeners is, what uh, what is old to you? In your, uh, where, where you are in life, what do you see as... Oh, now that guy, that guy is aged and, you know, and wise and whatever, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what is that age right. uh, to you? So anyway, <laughs> all right. What's on your mind? All right. Well, this is uh, from one of our patrons uh, and this is, this was sent in from Nathan uh, and it's follow-up okay. from uh, our, I think it was last episode, which by the way, if you have any follow-up or feedback or anything, questions, uh, observations that you want to send in. You can send that over to Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com, and we would appreciate it. All right, this yes. is from Nathan. He says, I enjoyed the discussion about pastoral qualification. I think we would be wise to spend as much time focusing on the reasons for the requirements as we do on the nuances of them. Mm. What I mean is that perhaps rather than asking, does God really mean you have to be married to be a pastor? Maybe we should focus more on the fact that having a wife and family is the way God designed for us to show leadership qualities. And without doing so, we cannot be qualified to pastor. Perhaps if God allowed an unmarried man a pass on the qualification of leadership ability, simply because he has no family, it may be akin to a teacher giving a pass to a student who failed an exam. Uh, because the student was sick on the days that material was covered. No, the student isn't responsible for the material he didn't hear, but he also isn't qualified to get credit for the class. If the parallel doesn't make sense, you guys can rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> rip it apart. <laughs> That's funny. Um, this is follow-up to our discussion uh, when we were talking last time about can uh, an unmarried man pastor... And uh, I think right. part of Nathan's feedback actually came up in our conversation. Um, I think I think when you had first brought that up, because I think you brought up the subject first, I think I had said something. I had asked you, is that because of leadership? Um, and I don't remember what your answer was, but that's kind of what Nathan is getting at here, I think, is that a family is designed by God to demonstrate leadership on the part of the man leading it and thus adding hmm. to his qualifications as a pastor. Yeah. Maybe I, um, I guess just to say it simply, I struggle a little bit to see maybe the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I, I struggle maybe to see the the large difference in the way that the word is questioned, though I do like it. Um, you know, as far as like, maybe we ought to step back from this and see it this way. I, I think I'm having trouble seeing it that way. Like see the it. significance of asking the question in, from a different angle. Um, I'm not sure. Say, instead, his question was, uh, instead of saying, uh, are, are, am I allowed to be a pastor if I'm not married? Instead, backing up and saying, uh, you know, God wants the married, the married man to demonstrate leadership in the home. That's part of the qualifications. You know what I mean? I don't know that I see a a whole lot of difference necessarily um in in the two ways I, I don't know in the in the uh results of the two you see what i'm saying i mean i don't know that i see a 
um, great disparity in the angles there. I mean, I guess I do. I see, I see them, um, but I just maybe I feel like there's supposed to be more depth there that I'm missing. I'm not sure where you're coming from. Are, are you basically okay. saying that if the text says it, does it really matter what the reasons are? <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. I suppose. Yeah, I mean that. Yes, that makes sense. That's a good way yeah. to say it. I mean, I like what he's saying is that God's design was the family shows leadership, and obviously, leadership is what you are <laughs> as as a pastor. Right. I mean, that's what it displays. And so, how how do you how do you demonstrate that to anybody if you're not in a circumstance of leadership? But um, I mean, I like the way he's asking the question. It's just the way he said. Uh, uh, I think we would be wise to spend as much time focusing on the reasons for the requirement as we do on the nuances of them. And maybe I'm struggling through that a little bit. Um, I can't disagree with that. I mean, I think that, you know, kind of like, and we've said this before when talking about parenting, you know, when your kids are little, do they need to know the reasons for what you tell them mm-hmm. to do? Well, no. But as they grow older, it's kind of, it helps them to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. often explain to them your rationale behind what you tell them. And, and, and I think in many ways, I think we can kind of apply that to the scripture when the Lord does give us some insight into his rationale, um, for something right. he says, I think that My helps only ca- us. Yes, I think so too. My only caution would be to say where, where that rationale is not really specifically spelled out. We got to be careful of making it up. I mean, well, I, I think it is spelled out, uh, actually in the text, if I can, I want to get the exact wording right here. Yeah, first first Timothy three two. <clears throat> yeah. Um particularly it was regarding um verse five. I see verse five, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So there is yes, there is okay. rationale Good. there sure. that leadership yeah. is kind of being driven at here. And that his his home life is a demonstration of his leadership <clears throat> to to thus make him credible for leadership in the church. And I what I think what's important about that though is like what he's what the way he phrased it in the question I think is really important to say that God's design was that the marriage demonstrate the leadership necessary for the church. Um, and the reason I, I, I bring that to bear is because in our modern society, uh, you know, you've got CEOs and you've got, mm-hmm. you know, business professionals and they might say you know, this 27-year-old might say, look, I've been in the business sphere. I, I built my own company. Uh, I, you know, I've been promoted. I know how to work with people. I know how to lead teams. I know how to bring about success. So I'm qualified to be a pastor. No, it wasn't in the family sphere, but I certainly showed my leadership in the business sphere. Well, that wasn't the way God set it up. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He could have maybe included business, but he said family. I think there's something unique about family. Um so, so that's kind of where, yes, God said, yes, it d- demonstrates leadership, but we have to be careful maybe not to pull that design out and extrapolate it and say, well, but if leadership is displayed another way, then that's just as good as being married. You understand what I'm saying? It still goes back to the directive that yeah. God chose the marriage and the family as the qualifications for the yeah, sure. yeah, leadership. Yeah, I see that. Yep. So, so what about his analogy here that he gives? Does this help us? Um, he says uh, the analogy about a teacher giving a pass to a student who failed an exam, a final exam, because the student was sick on the days that ma- the material was covered. Um, he said, no, the student isn't responsible for the material he didn't hear, but he also isn't qualified to get credit for the class. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, um, any any illustration <clears throat> has limitations. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, sure. And sometimes we have to precisely put it. So I mean, the illustration, I I get it. I mean, I get sort of the parallel of it. It doesn't maybe match ex- as I'm, much as I'm I would sure want it I to, get but. It, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what part don't you get as far as how, I mean, how it fits is, is with the what part we're talking about uh, with because uh... I mean I can see where it says you don't pass the class because you don't know the material in the same way that you don't you don't aren't qualified to be a bishop if you're not fulfilling the requirements. Okay, I see it. Um, yep. And so so the, but the flip side of that is saying well he was sick for class so he didn't know and he's not held responsible for that. Well, what does that mean exactly in the passage that some people are ignorant of the requirements? Okay. But they are responsible to know, <laughs> you know, I guess, uh, would be yeah. oh, the way to I th- say it. So I don't know that it I think I see it because one of the things that you had asked, is there any other way that we could look at this text? And I had said, I think last time, um, and, and I, th- I think I said something about there are those who know the grammar better than I do here, but <clears throat> could it perhaps be saying, should a man have a wife, then he needs to be a one woman man to be qualified or should a man have children, uh-huh. then he must be uh, ruling his own house well to be qualified. Um, I wasn't saying that's how it is It is to be interpreted. I'm saying, is that maybe another possibility? Right, here well, that, sure, and, that that's a, and that's a good question considered. to ask. And I think that's kind of driving at Nathan's uh, illustration here. You know, with the student, you know, had I been there for that material on those days, then I should be able to pass the test and get credit for the class and be qualified. But I wasn't there for that, so thus, you know, give me a pass. <laughs> um, and he's saying, but you still don't get the pass. He says you still don't get the pass, yeah. Okay, so, well, that's, that's kind of a level of that illustration I hadn't seen, but okay, okay. yeah. Yeah, so I guess the illustration fits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we put a check mark on that, okay. Nathan. Thank you, uh, thank you for Nathan. that illustration. We won't, we won't rip it apart too All much. Right. <laughs> um, but, of course, it's easier to rip up uh, illustrations, right? Than than arguments or, or scripture, obviously, because yeah. <laughs> illustrations are just sort of, yeah, you know, man's attempts to try to elucidate on that, you know, or put. Anyway, right? Uh, yeah, thanks, Nathan, for that. Um, I'm trying to think, it seemed like I had one other thought on um, on that. Uh, but anyway, I I do okay. Yeah, in in in. Uh, summary here going back to what he's saying i do still think that it there is or i do think there is value to what he's saying of not only what is the qualification but why the qualification i think that can help fill out at least the understanding like you said in the context uh, but sometimes that understanding may not be there it may just be a command um, mm-hmm. and we don't have to understand every aspect of the command but we yeah. do have to obey it yeah. Um, but where he does kind of give his give a rationale that if he doesn't know how to rule his own house, how can he rule the church of God? Well, how can he how can he demonstrate that leadership if he doesn't have a yeah. house? You right. know. Um, anyway, just so, a, yeah, there's some value to cu- see. In curious it, side way. note, and and if it if it turns into something of value that's a longer discussion, fine. But it doesn't have to. <laughs> but what what about a a single missionary? Have have you seen? folks out there that are single missionaries uh right off the top of my head usually that seems to be a lady um that i'm thinking of you know maybe a lady going to help in an orphanage or i i we support um a single lady missionary to 
uh, Uganda, who yeah. does a fantastic job, you know, from what we've seen. She, she had a kind of a radio ministry. She goes into schools and actually teaches Bible to some kids who are Muslim. I mean, just it's just really neat opportunity. Yeah. Um, so what, what is your question specifically along those lines? Well, I mean, I do know of a single man missionary. Okay, um, okay. What, what about his qualifications? Um, you know, I mean, does, does the Bible really deal with the qualifications of such a man? Of such a man, meaning of what we've labeled as a missionary? Yes. In, in our modern <clears throat> understanding of, of missionary, are there qualifications like this? Right. Well, um, that is probably part of the problem of sort of creating our own boxes uh-huh. um, and not, you know, rigidly following a, you know, biblical thought there necessarily. And the same thing happens with the evangelist. You know, we yeah. sort of, um, at least we sort of characterize the evangelist. He's this way and this way. But is there, honestly, you know, the Bible mentions an evangelist, uh, and I'm, yeah. this kind of mirrors your point. It it doesn't really say missionary, but it says an evangelist. Philip was an evangelist. Well, and then he says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Okay. Um, but it gives us qualifications for a bishop and a deacon. Oh, well, in my mind, I, I guess on a, on a simple level, I would say, well, if they're going to be in a leadership, you know, uh, public proclamation capacity, it seems reasonable that the qualifications for someone who's leading the church would correspond to those who are planting a church right. or or ministering through the church in that sort of a capacity, right. you know? Well, I mean, my understanding of what a missionary does... Um, a foreign missionary is that the the end goal is to establish churches or or at least a church. Um, it seems like that should be should be the goal. That seems to be the drive of what evangelism is in the New Testament. Is that the goal is to con- what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, congregate people, assemble people. Mm-hmm. Uh, after they're born again and baptized, they assemble um, into a, a local body somewhere. So it seems that that would be the exact same qualifications then that a pastor would would be required to have. Mm-hmm. However, I could see if a man who is a single missionary going to the mission field, but he's going to be working under other missionaries. Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe the qualification would be different if he's not the leader? Uh, again, that's interesting territory, and I guess ultimately. Uh... I mean, yeah, ultimately somebody's going to have to decide for themselves, but I guess we're trying, we're trying to reason through it here. Um, I would say I would, I would, my first, my first thought right off the top of my head would to be to fall back on your, uh, explanation you've given before, which I like this is not, is it right? But is it wise? Um, and for a single man, I just think a single man in ministry isn't really wise, whether it's evangelism whether it's pastoral ministry, uh, whether it's even even missions, I would say, to put a, a young man in a position of, uh, and I know I know I know young men are put in positions of authority at work and things like that, but I just see, uh, so as I say it, I think, well, that doesn't sound right, but to put a young man in a ministerial author, uh, uh, leadership position without having the. Um, the stabilizing factor of a marriage relationship, you understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, can be a dangerous thing. Are, are you getting at the possibility of him maybe working around young women? 
Sure. Yes, yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. And, with and I mean, that. and that's most magnified, say, in the youth ministry. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, that's kind of what I've, I felt you were driving at was the idea of youth ministry. But, but I wonder if if a guy is, is single <clears throat> and he's working under a, a missionary church planter, he's not the guy that's in charge. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the assistant, basically. He's essentially doing missionary work. Um, I, does that fall into kind of a what we might call a gray area here? I I would say so, because um, it, it kind of depends on your philosophy, in a sense, of assisting, or like, what's the goal of this assistant? Um, you know, if this, if this assistant is being trained to essentially uh, take over your role, then that kind of assisting, like, okay, this young guy is eventually going to take my role as the pastor, mm-hmm. or my role as the lead missionary, well, at some point, then he's going to need to develop a family. Yeah. But if he's just literally coming to to help you out with, you know, I mean, you know, let let let's go evangelize together. Let's 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 uh let's go to some people's houses and do discipleship. Right. Let's work on these material. I mean, you know, I mean if he's basically just assisting the guy and he's helping him out, yeah. why couldn't he be single? Right. Cuz you know I mean, I mean, what if some what if some 16-year-old comes up to you in church and says, Pastor, what can I do? I want to be a help in any way I can. Right. Well, no, I'm sorry. You don't have a family yet. You know, you have to have qualification. No. I mean, you just use them in what capacity you can. Sure. Well, even a lot of college yeah. students go on missionary internships, and, and mm-hmm. they're single. Yeah, right. And they're sure. put into the work full-time sure. when they get there. Um, but the goal isn't for that, you know, that missionary to right. you know, expectantly take that ministry and fulfill that leadership, that head role. He's just there to learn. Right. And I understand that's a good point that you mentioned there. Yeah. So, I mean, no, I, I think you might call it a, um, a gray area, but even if it's, if it's not gray, it's certainly tending towards the, uh, there's not that same qualification on them. Right. You know. Yeah. Good question that you have there. Okay. But if you, but to go back to the original question, if you have a single missionary who says, you know, I'm going to go, um, you know, I'm going to go to China and plant a church and it's a single guy. I personally would feel uncomfortable with that. Right. Yeah, it's, I really wouldn't recommend that, you know. Okay, so now what uh, if his I, plans were to work underneath uh, Chinese missionary church planters who are already there for an indeterminate number of years until he's established his own family and then he desires to go and start his own work in that field? Uh, possibly, yeah. I guess. Um I guess I'd have to have a, maybe a little deeper conversation there. But like you say, yeah. if he's working under somebody, I guess it's more. Then again, we're talking about that uh, possible, possible area, gray that gray area. area. Yeah. 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 I, I can't necessarily say I'd see anything wrong with, with that, um, right. provided that his goal right. is to establish a, a family. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or maybe, you know, there are guys, I think, that um, that leadership, they don't have a desire to be a pastor. They are kind of, if you will, their desire is to assist and they'll do that their whole life, you know, saying, I I just want to be the assistant. I just want to help you out. I never have, you know, they might, I'm thinking of a guy that, uh, you know, uh, I think would, would be an assistant his, his whole life and not ever feel, uh, the, the, the call to be the head pastor. You know what I mean? So he's on staff, but there's never that thought, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There's never that thought to say, well, then one day I want to be the pastor. Mm-hmm. No, I just want to help out. I just want to yeah. be a blessing to this, this, this ministry and assist the one who is the pastor. Yeah. Um, well, if a guy was in a situation like that, um, 
you know, again, he's not ever seeking to fulfill the the pastoral role, and he's just you know just filling gaps. I yeah. think it's wise. You know, I, I still think it's going to be wise, as especially as you're interacting with a lot of people, and you're going to be interacting with. Uh, females and ones that are your age or younger, you know, in a, in a place where they're going to respect you and see you as an authority, that is going to put you in a little bit of a place yeah. of danger if you don't have, um, uh, if I can say it this way, a sexual outlet with your spouse. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because when you start to get pumped up like that, you know, they, I mean something to them. You know, they like me and I have, you know, I'm this, I'm that. You know, that's just a natural, I'd say a human man tendency um, to love to be respected. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that can be a dangerous position if you don't have a, a wife that you're bound to be faithful to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and exercising that outlet yeah. there that God has provided. Well, I mean, does it change the dynamic any for a young man missionary who is working under an established missionary church in a foreign country? And his goal is to actually find a wife there because the country that he's in would love nothing more than to kick him out if they knew he was there and knew what he was doing. But if he were able to find a wife there, he would establish permanent citizenship, yeah. which means now they that, couldn't remove him. Now, that's kind of funny to me is um, the whole the wording of my goal is to find a wife there. Because I think if anybody's goal is to find a wife, their focus is kind of in the wrong place. Well, I mean, you, you, um, you know what I'm saying, that that's not his primary goal in going to the mission field. But... His goal isn't to find well, an American wife. He, you know, if his goal is to become yeah. married at some point, um, he'd rather find one there. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I see that. But still, if, if there's at all in the guy's mind that I want to, I want to marry a national, and they're like, oh, okay, all right, you know, well, I'll see how that works for you. But I mean, because yeah. ultimately, you just live the life God wants you to. Yeah. And and if it's a, if it's an American or if it, you know, by saying, well, I think, um, you know, I'm wise enough to know that I could fulfill God's plan best if I get a national woman. You know what I'm saying? God God knows what you need, yeah. and God's going to provide for your ministry. And if it's a a woman who's white as white and is American <laughs> all her life, you know, you're going to have just as effective a ministry in that country as He wants you to have yeah. than if you to exercised your own wisdom. Well, I mean, national, on, but, I can't see anything wrong with thinking strategically. I mean, and that's kind of what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. As long as he leaves it up to the Lord. Well, sure. Balance, yeah. balance and everything. So. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, any, uh, have we kind of killed that snake or? Um... <laughs> yes, I, I think so. Um, or, or, or is that offensive to call that a snake? <laughs> we chased that dog around the room. Oh, wait, that was a dog. Um, um, okay. Right. Uh, I've got another one here. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this one's going to go, to be honest. And <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about it before. I, I doubt it, but, but forgive me if we have. But okay. I heard someone say the other day <clears throat> on a podcast that not having purpose in your life is is the number one reason for anxiety. And that's the reason why during this lockdown, people are experiencing high levels of anxiety. That's why uh, unemployment brings about high levels of anxiety. Young boys with no drive or, or purpose in life, no goal in life, they, they are you know high levels of suicide amongst that demographic. Um, so my thought when I heard that is, is this a real thing or is this psychological mumbo jumbo? Is is there any biblical precedent that we are made 
by God to to have a purpose and without said purpose we feel depressed is there is there any thought on that that that's interesting um I just read was reading something yesterday I'm reading in a book on counseling uh, and it's talking about the kind of the effect of Freudian uh, the <laughs> Freudian concepts you know on on psychology and psychiatry yeah. you know the uh, that was born out of that. And so when you first said that, that the majority of anxiety comes from, you know, a lack of purpose, the thought in my mind was Freudian, <laughs> you know what uh, I mean? It sounds um, like some weird psychologist, you know, mumbo jumbo. Really? Now, I, I, I can, to me, at first blush, I'd go, well, I, I can kind of see that. But ultimately, I would say that even if that is, like, if some people are truly struggling, like, oh, man, I don't know my, I don't know my purpose in life, and that bothers me. Okay, that that might cause people some anxiety, I guess. But I would say the greater part of anxiety in life comes from guilt. Um, and that comes from, you know, violating something in your conscience. Maybe it's not something that, you know, like a specific, a specific edict from God's word that you've heard and you know you violated. But I mean, something in your conscience said you shouldn't do this and you did it. And now you feel guilt. And then trying to suppress that guilt is part of what brings on anxiety. Now... People may disagree with me on that because you're thinking of the whole COVID-19 thing, and there's a fear there. Okay, well, fear could be um, a source of anxiety. Uh Um, You know what I mean? So I think this lack of purpose thing, I I struggle to see that one, honestly. I mean, as a a great cause of anxiety. I'd say fear and guilt would be two more, much more primary ones. See, I wonder if it maybe is different for different personality types because uh, for for me, I'm a very goal-oriented guy. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have something I was shooting for, um, I really struggle with that. And um, yeah. one of the one of the things that this podcaster was saying is the effect of modern day work on anxiety, mm-hmm. because um, you know a lot of work today is is not like work fifty, sixty, seventy years ago where people did things with their hands more. <laughs> and, uh, and nowadays a lot of work is computer driven or it's uh, consultation work or some kind of intangible type work mm-hmm. where you can't mm-hmm. really see what is produced by your efforts. Yes. And, and he was trying to suggest that that's the reason for so much anxiety in the modern world compared to 50, 60, 70 years ago. And part of me was like, that sounds like weird psychology mumbo jumbo. But at the same time, I get it. If I don't right. have a yeah, purpose, I if I can't see what I'm producing, I really hate that feeling. Like it makes me nervous. <laughs> like I feel like I have to get up and do something. And whether or not that's anxiety, I don't know. But uh, I, I've related that before, uh, I think on this podcast even, to the nature of ministry work for a goal-driven guy is that you can't really make things happen in ministry. You can't force anything to happen. You just keep working and you trust the Lord to do something. But oftentimes for long bouts of time, it seems like nothing's happening. And that Yeah, despite everything, despite that you're filling the week with with some sort of work, you're not seeing a result that you want to see. So you feel like, well, I'm keeping busy, but maybe I'm not, you know, not. Well, it's not even, not even a specific result that you're looking for, but any result. It's like, it's like you're not (laughs) sure that you're seeing anything happen. And, and and you wonder what, what am I doing? I'm feeling like I'm spinning my wheels. And it's like, I can understand. 
I, I, can, I, I can't necessarily agree with the whole statement that I heard the podcaster say, but I think I can get it. I think I can understand it, that at least maybe for goal-oriented people, they get anxious, nervous would feeling. You, I was going to say, would, uh, I mean, maybe this is an effort to, uh, this is a, an Adamic effort to, uh, <laughs> to justify my answer, um, uh, or not to have to back, back step. But I do, I do see what you're saying. But would you call that, um, would you call the result of not reaching a goal anxiety? Would you kind of label it with that word? Like they're, like you're actually anxious or just more like you're depressed or disappointed? I wouldn't, cause, I don't know that it's depression or disappointment, but it's just yeah. that, uh, uh, like, like a feeling that um, if you've been given, let, let's say, let's move it into an actual tangible task. If I've given you 50 widgets to make in a day and mm-hmm. you have eight hours to do it and you're at hour seven and you've only made like 20 right yeah right you feel kind of hurried you feel kind of stressed in a way to get it all done and 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 it's like that's the that's the feeling i'm talking about whether that's called anxiety i don't know um Mm -hmm. i wouldn't call it depression or disappointment but you know that's kind of how a a, a guy like myself i start to feel that way if i'm not reaching something um does that make Mm -hmm. sense Mm mm-hmm Yes, yeah, it does. And and I guess I'm, I'm, I'm wondering is there is there a biblical precedent for uh for any anything that we're talking about here? Well, a verse did come to my mind as as you were talking, but I can't I'm I'm not quite finding the words in my mind uh to find the reference here. But um that idea of uh <laughs> purposes disappointed bring about frustration. That's the kind of the summary. Do you, are you remembering the verse I'm talking about? It's probably it it's sounds, in Proverbs. Sounds I like bet. a proverb, yeah. Um, something, uh, but I can't think of the actual wording of it. But um, it, it seems like that's the idea: is that when when expectation is not met, I'm frustrated. That well, might actually be the word that's used in that verse: is expectation. Okay. Yeah. I'll look that up. I mean, um, the word is used in in Proverbs uh, at least five times here. But uh, not the way you're saying. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. If our listeners know what Daniel's hinting at here, write write us and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> if you like, yeah, tell me the dream and the interpretation thereof. <laughs> not, don't just tell me the interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um Oh man, it's one of those you like yeah. uh, at twelve thirty tonight. Be like, ah, oh, that's it, yeah. that's it. But I'm not; it's not coming to mind. But to, to to answer the question, I think there is some biblical precedent there. Now, can I go back to the original question? Not to like yeah. beat it to death, but yeah. what what was it that he said? Was he saying that most anxiety comes from a lack of purpose, or just that? I don't. You know, I don't think a he was lack getting of purpose at, causes anxiety. Just generally, I don't think he was trying okay. to say that most. Okay. He was just saying lack of purpose uh, tends to create anxiety, and I don't know if that's true for everybody. Yeah, um, I, I here's a, another angle on that, which I don't know that I would call it anxiety in people, but I think the welfare state um, kind of, um, if you will. Uh, rots people from the inside out, and I don't mean that's, that. That's kind of the context of his conversation on the podcast. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm not saying by that if somebody's on welfare, they're rotten. I'm just saying that what it does is it demotivates work, and God made people to work. And when they don't work, even they, you might think, well, that's the kind of life I'd want. Yeah. I'd like to be paid $20 an hour to sit home and watch TV, but not really, because you'd eventually become okay. miserable because you're not doing what you're designed so, to do, and you don't get that satisfaction by work. Okay. So that's now, now you're getting to where what I'm driving at. You said God made people to work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's our precedent for that? I mean, are we just going back to Adam with that, that God made him to till the ground? <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that would be my first, for my first take on it was to say that, you know, when God created man, he immediately gave him a job, and that job was pre-fall. That wasn't, um, that wasn't oh, you've sinned, now you've got a garden, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, it's now your work's going to be harder, but, you know, in, in the original design, you know, man glorified God, and man fulfilled his purpose by having a job to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that job was to, you know, was to have dominion over over the earth and to to cultivate and you know things like that. Um, so yeah, that would be certainly a first place uh, that I would go. And and um, I guess a secondary thought might be that God is a creative God. We're made in the image of God, and we're made to please Him. Well, how do we please Him by reflecting His image? Well, part of His image is that He's the Creator God. You know, and that we create things. We use the intelligence and the abilities He's given us to. Um, to take to take the material he's given us and to produce something, you know, produce something of skill yeah. uh, that shows the the ability that he's given to us, and in that way, then you know, magnifies him. Yeah. Hmm. It says, I mean, the, the Psalm nineteen says, "The heavens declare the glory of God; the firmament showeth his handiwork." Psalm eight says, "You know, when I see the the work of thy hands, um, that God has done an amazing job with the work of His hands, and we reflect Him." in a sense, by, by using our, our hands and using our abilities to accomplish things. Yeah. Um, and obviously the scripture speaks against um, laziness. If a man will not work, neither should he eat. You know, right. and, and, and if a, let a man that stole steal no more, but let him work with his right. hands. Doing yeah, that, which and, is and good. all of that seems to have a very utilitarian purpose. He's supposed to work because it's good to produce for the sake right. of your family. Um, but as far as there being a purpose for your mental health, that's kind of the, mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see, is there any kind of precedent, uh, for what people say today, you know, about having purpose and work helps your mental health. There's so much talk right now about mental health. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, okay, I mean, that sounds good and all, but you know, is there precedent for that biblically, um, from that angle? I don't know. That'd be fun to sit down and kind of, yeah. <laughs> write a let's, uh, paper on, you know what I mean? Like really form the thought. Yeah, maybe. let's for now put that one out to our listeners. And uh, if you yep. guys have any thoughts on that, let us know. Uh, is this psychology mumbo jumbo or is there a biblical precedent for uh, work and purpose being a, a deterrent of anxiety <laughs> and mental health issues? Um, one more thing, if, if we can move on to this, I wanted to squeeze this one in before the end mm-hmm. here. This is, uh, also Man, this, our, our time has really flown. That's amazing. <laughs> I had not realized that. Okay. Yeah, go it ahead. Flew by. This is, uh, from one of our patrons, uh, or one of our student patrons, Matthew. And, uh, the subject is e-bibles. <clears throat> mm. Uh, we didn't cover this last time, right? No, I think we talked about covering, you know, okay. we didn't. All right. He says, I recently heard a Baptist preacher say something like this. I hope you have your Bibles open as you're watching this sermon at home. There's just something wonderful about the turning of the pages. 
And Matthew asks, is there really any advantage to reading the Bible in hard copy rather than on your phone? And why do some Baptists deem it more spiritual to read a hard copy of the Bible? Okay. Um, my initial response to that is, is it more spiritual? No. Is there an advantage? Yes. Um, I actually think that this, there, and I can't point you to the exact study, but I actually think that the science of it, of the tactile handling of pages um, and holding a book um, is different than viewing a screen. Uh-huh. Um, and there is an argument to be made for the increased profit of actually reading real books mm-hmm. than just reading material on a screen. Yeah. So, so, so to, I'm really dichotomizing it, but he does say... Um, uh, he said, is there really any advantage to reading the Bible in hard copy? Yes, I think there is. Yeah. Um, is it is it a spiritual disadvantage? No, not necessarily. No. I'm, I'm more talking about... Practical um, advantages. Practical, yeah. uh, in intellectual, mental, yeah. you know, physiological kind of things. But but spiritually speaking, you know, can God still use his word on a digital device? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean... Well, I think one of the yeah. practical advantages of, of using digital is note-taking. Uh, you can be much more organized and uh, you can put a lot more notes in an e-Bible than you can, uh, even if you had one of those wide margin Bibles, uh, you can still fit a lot more in, in digital Well, yeah, because essentially you go click and then you got the entire page to write on right. and it doesn't fill up your margin. Yeah, and your notes can be searchable uh, also. So I think there's advantages to both ways. One really big thing that I, I really think is an advantage of a paper Bible is um, something, something to pass down to your kids. Maybe this sounds mm. weirdly sentimental, but just for your kids to be able to look and see handwritten notes by you in your Bible, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's not a big deal to some people. Um, to me, I, I feel like that's kind of a big deal to me that it, it, yeah yeah it is it is something special you know, that my dad actually inscribed you know in his own hand and with his own writing he wrote this uh cuz it obviously touched his heart yeah. you know but um the, but it would be neat if any dad wrote a note on any passage of yeah. scripture you know what i'm saying even if you found a digital copy of his of his note at least you'd be like wow you know dad wrote a note on this verse of scripture the uh, <laughs> you know yeah the the only thing that i think comes close to touching a a spiritual advantage or disadvantage in in this topic is is the the concept of of ho- something that is holy and being set apart from everything else mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and for this reason i don't i don't um like to preach from my ipad mm-hmm. i will put my notes on mm-hmm. my ipad but i like to mm-hmm. preach with my real bible open and and using the scriptures there because it seems, and maybe this is a weird detail, it seems like the thing that I'm preaching from, if I'm preaching from a Bible on my iPad, is the very same device that I can check my email on. <clears throat> it's the very same device that if I had social media, that I could check social media on. Um, and it's like doing all of those common things on the very same screen that I'm now preaching from or, or reading the Bible from, it seems to almost take the Bible down to a common place. Um, mm-hmm. Is that weird? No, no, I see what you're saying. And I would kind of, I would, I would, I would add another piece to that is just saying, you know, it, it's just nice to think of going to church and, 
and taking the opportunity to put your electronic device down yeah. and hold the Bible and focus on the preaching, yeah. you know? But if I have my phone, and it's the technology, again, it's not that the technology itself is bad, it's that it can go either way. And you might say, well, man, I can really focus more and take better notes if it's digital. Okay, but on the flip side of that... You know, you could be uh, you could be listening to the sermon, and all of a sudden, a notification comes up of a text, yeah. or somebody followed you on Twitter. All of a sudden, now you're being bombarded right. with these electronic, uh, uh, you know, distractions, uh, and you might be distracting other people. And um, yeah, and just the common look of it. So, I mean, is is a computer, is a cell phone bad? No. And for some people, that could be a way to dive deeper, and yeah. that's fine. But in other ways, there there certainly is an argument to be made that it is profitable also to use a physical book. Neither one can be deified, really, right. you know. Yeah. Um, but there are certain ways—I think there is there is something to the argument on both sides of it, and a person still has to decide for themselves, but it's not simply like, you silly. It doesn't matter whether right. it's on a page or on a screen. It doesn't matter. It's well, not it that simple, matter. yeah. No, it's not that simple. Yeah. Well, but I wouldn't give a guy a hard time if, if he came to speak at my church and, and he was like, all I have is this iPad. I put my paper Bible on the roof of my car and, and I got distracted and I got <laughs> yeah, in. Right, and, you know, right. now I have to preach from my iPad. You know, I'm not going to give a guy a hard time over that. But Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're saying. But on the other hand, long term, you wouldn't really, you wouldn't be comfortable with him just doing that all the time, or at least for you doing it all for, the time. For me. Right now. For me. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting to just to think of those little points that really are meaningful uh, that go into a a uh, full thought on that discussion and not just an easy dismissal of somebody else's um, yeah take on it yeah now what, what strikes me kind of funny about the saying and I'm not I I think the guy could be saying you know, just you hearing the pages turn you know but obviously if if you're live streaming he can't hear your pages turn. <laughs> So that's kind of funny about that, you know, like, I hope you're, you know, I hope you have your Bibles open because there's just something about hearing the pages turn. Well, <laughs> like, if I'm hearing the pages turn, I... No, anyway. I, I hope people have their Bibles open just because I think it's good to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, well, it looks like our time is over and I, I want to say thank you for listening again. And again, if you have some feedback, it's reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. And I hope that you'll uh, join us next time. We're approaching episode 100. We're not very far away, yeah. and I'm excited about send, that. Send us your thoughts on on what we should do for episode 100. Um, yeah, something different. I don't know. Just whatever you think of. Send us something. We'll see. We'll see what we can do for episode 100. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us on this stirring episode of Reason Together. Uh, we do appreciate your support and appreciate your listenership. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.